inside Inflation Act, Deflation Reduction Act, everybody knows the last federal Federal Reserve meeting they had Jerome Powell, not Jerome Powell, he talked about inflation, but the CPI report that came out by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, right? Uh, CPI report, Consumer Price Index, that's inflation. It was at a, a whopping 9.1% last month. We're going to be getting our new inflation data and probably like the next two weeks, one or two weeks, right? So inflation is at 9.1%. The Federal Reserve wants it at 2%. So what do they want to do? Everybody wants to reduce inflation. So guess what the administration does? They come up and says, hey, well, we're going to find an act and we're going to pass some bills to reduce inflation. But reducing inflation, ladies and gentlemen, is it a good thing or a bad thing? The act, you mean, right? But as always, we're going to talk about today. But if you if you don't know this, this is what you want, want you to do. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, comment, and share button. As always, this is your host, the Prince of Investment. Prince Dykes, coming to you guys and girls live all the way from the beautiful city and state of Denver, Colorado, via Honolulu, Hawaii. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, comment, and share button. And as always, I don't have a lot of time, and I definitely know you guys and girls don't have a lot of time, so we're going to come and jump straight into it. So President Biden came out, and it hasn't passed yet, right? You know, we just got the Student Loan Act. That was a big thing. That's before I wrote today's show, where we got into the Student Loans Act. But today's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, this new uh, Inflation Reduction Act, right? The Inflation Reduction Act is something that the administration is doing to um, reduce inflation. Now, let me go ahead and give you guys, let's take a segue here and give you my personal opinion on the government standing in and saying, hey, we're going to help reduce inflation. One, we already had a Federal Reserve that's trying to use tools in their toolbox. Jerome Powell, you know, he's raising up interest rates. Everywhere you go around, you see interest rates go up, interest rates go up. Now, we're seeing the housing market take a little dive, not a dive, but like a little slow drop um, that's coming in. Because you see in the housing market, interest rates have rose, pretty much doubled. In 2020, interest rates was nothing to get a 2%. Now people are getting 4 or 5%. Not saying 4 or 5% bad, but guess what? That drives up the real estate market. But here's the downside of inflation. We're seeing the stock market so far this year has been struggling. Especially the number one section has been down. It's consumer discretionary, which is retail. Things like your Amazon and retail industries, you know, clothing, whatever. Why is that? Because it's believed that as inflation goes up, what does inflation eat up? It eats up disposable income. I was paying more money at the gas pump, especially if you got a V8 Dodge Hemi Ram like myself. <laughs> you're going to be paying a little penny at the uh, gas pump. Also, the food price index has increased. We all got to eat. We all got to buy fuel. When you have these two things going on, even if you don't even eat or buy fuel, if you decide to catch that Uber or if you decide to fly on a plane, guess what the plane uses? Guess what that Uber driver is using? They're all using, utilizing fuel, which meaning if the, as the price of fuel goes up, they're going to pass that on to you and I, the consumers. Also, as the price of food goes up, as you want to go to the movie theater and eat those nachos and popcorn, the company has to pay more for those kernels. The company has to pay more for the cheese in the can, and it has to pay more for those nachos. So guess what? The ticket prices start to go up. So inflation affects everybody. But we don't see wages going up like that, right? So that same 1000 there's a difference between income and real income. Prince, what do you mean? Well, no, let's say if you make $100,000 a year last year, you're like, man, I make six figures. I'm a six-figure dude, six-figure girl, six-figure guy. Congratulations, you are making six figures. But are you really making six figures when inflation is at 
Because what you didn't know, inflation is an invisible tax. And what it does is it hurts your purchasing power. Your purchasing power means the things that you can buy, right? Last year, you could afford 10 boxes of popcorn with, with 10 bucks. This year, with the same $10, you only could buy five boxes of popcorn, hypothetically speaking. So essentially, you're not making more money because you're spending more money on gas, things like that, tickets, whatever you were doing before. That's called real income. Income versus real income. So real income has slowly decreased once you equate inflation inside of it. Now, I say all this to say the government wants to step in and say, hey, you know, what? we got something for this. You got the Federal Reserve. They're doing things like they're reducing the Fed's balance sheet, meaning taking money out of the stock market. And they're raising interest rates to cool down this inflation. Then you got the President Biden saying in the White House, saying, hold on, wait, 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 wait. We need a new act to attack this thing. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of it. I'm more of the laissez-faire, you know, by John Adams. Um, economics, lay your hand off of it, and it'll kind of fix itself. I want to segue this before I get into the Inflation Reduction Act. You look at minimum wage here in Denver. They just raised minimum wage to $17 and something cent um, uh, an hour, right? $17 sounds crazy to me coming up in Georgia with my first minimum wage job. I was getting $5.25 about 16 years ago. It, minimum wage is pretty much tripled. I don't know what, it's back, what it is back in Georgia, but, you know, here's that $17. Everybody jumps up and down for joy. It reminds, my latest, it reminds me of my latest read called Economics in One Lesson. By raising the floor does not mean you're making everybody have a better life. Because we know what employers are going to do. They're going to reduce They're going to reduce hours. They're going to reduce their workforce. They're going to hire and get those kiosks, things like that, to cut down that labor cost. Because that's the number one expense that businesses usually have is labor costs. And as the cost and prices of labor goes up, it starts to thin out those profits, right? So with all that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's the government sticking its hand in there saying, man, look at the house, the, the average home price and the Denver metro era area is about six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars, and you have people working for ten dollars an hour. How can they ever afford a house? Me to that, I say, hey, maybe you need to get some better skills, get better qualified, maybe go to school, come up with a business, something to get a better job. I don't think you should work a minimum wage job forever. Take me for example. My first job was Domino's Pizza. I flipped, I flipped pizzas. I made wings. I made breadsticks. I worked at a construction site. That's where I made money, but I knew that wasn't going to be me forever. I had to get better, right? So I think most minimum wage jobs are just people who are starting at the bottom as they're working their way up. People usually don't sit there. So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I say all of this to say, let's jump into this Inflation Reduction Act because many times when the government gets their hands involved, it makes things worse. Not everything is good. Sometimes, you know, it's like medicine. Every piece of medicine has a side effect. Everybody's clapping their hands because they got a relief from the student loans. But what side effect is that? Every bill is going to have a side effect. I like to look at a side effect because I look at somebody has to pay for that bill. When I was a kid and I used to eat uh, the Feed a Kid, Feed a Kid program used to come around Georgia. I don't know where it was in the rest of the country. I used to get that ham sandwich, chips, milk, juice, pineapples for free and i said man it's a free lunch but then i got older and realized that that was taxpayer dollars that was probably funded to a non-profit organization um, to hand out meals 
And I wish they didn't give me the meal. I wish they would have given me the stock in different companies. I wish they would have made an investment into me than just giving me something. That's just my opinion. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we're going to go into the White House. We're going to go head over to thewhitehouse.gov. We're at thewhitehouse.gov, and this says, by the numbers, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to think that, hey, I just saw this random guy, heard this guy on a podcast, bring up a bunch of wild, crazy numbers, things he didn't know what he was talking about or whatever. Uh, I want to make sure you guys and girls see it. This is coming from thewhitehouse.gov, the briefing room by the numbers. This is the Inflation Reduction Act. I'm going to tell you what I like about it, and I'm going to tell you the ugly side of it, the good, bad, and ugly. Now, we got to think about it. Now, I'm not a political person. This is nor a political show. But in generally speaking, the Republicans usually have a top-to-bottom philosophy. And what I mean by top-to-bottom is, hey, take care of the top, they'll take care of the bottom. Whereas usually on the left-hand side, or the Democrats usually have the, hey, let's take care of the bottom, and they will take care of the top. They're more of like looking out for the underprivileged, disadvantaged, you know, things like that. But uh, that does come at a cost. So they'd like to say, hey, let's take money from you, all these super-duper wealthy people. What are you going to do with hundreds of billions of dollars? And let's make the world better. That's kind of seen the way it is. Me, myself, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I want to put that out there. I'm in the middle of the aisle. I'm in the middle of the aisle. I am a conservative Democrat and a liberal Republican, if that makes sense. So I'm in the middle of the aisle. I'm a free thinker. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. Uh, right here. The Inflation Reduction Act. It says the Inflation Reduction Act will lower the cost for families, combat the climate crisis, reduce the deficit, and finally ask the large corporations to pay their fair share. President Biden and con congressional con Democrats, congressional Democrats, have worked together to deliver a historic legislative achievement that defeats special interests, delivers the American deliveries for the American family, and grows the economy from the bottom up and middle out. This is what they're saying. So before we go further into this, we're going to go look some, we're going to look into what they're saying about healthcare. We're going to look to see what they're saying about the special interests, healthcare costs, clean energy, and we're going to go into reducing pollution, and we're going to go into how they plan on paying for this with taxes and all those good things like that and give a breakdown analysis when we come back. So we're going to take a break. I mean, a very quick break. We're going to come back and now we're going to dig into the weeds of the induction, well, the <laughs> Inflation Reduction Act, right, by the numbers. So y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back.
from the whitehouse.gov by the numbers the inflation reduction act here it is healthcare they're looking to cut prescription drug costs i agree with that cutting prescription uh, drug costs i don't know why i'm having a little stumble there today today americans pay two to two to three times what the citizens of other countries pay for prescription drugs five to seven million medicaid beneficiaries could see their prescription drug costs go down because of the provision allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug costs. 50 million Americans and Medicaid Part D will have the peace of mind knowing the costs of the pharmacies are capped at $2,000 per year, directly benefiting 1.4 million beneficiaries each year by capping the drug costs. 3.1, well, sorry, 3.3 million Medicaid beneficiaries with diabetes will benefit from a guarantee that insulin costs are capped at $35 per uh, for a month's supply. So looking at capping drug costs uh, so that, you know, inflation and drug costs doesn't go up, people can't even afford their medicine. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm not even gonna lie to you guys and girls, healthcare is not one of my strongest suits. Why? Because uh, I served in the military for, well, 19 years and something amount of months so far. And in the military, we never had to deal with Medicare, right? Our, medic, our healthcare. Our healthcare was to, if we got sick or something happened, we went and we saw the doctor. The doctor gave us a referral or they gave us medicine and that was it. I never had to deal with Medicaid and Medicare, uh, having healthcare plans. You know, I think I paid in active duty military, you pay something like 50 bucks, 100 bucks a month for you and your family and you know, all the Medicaid, Medicare is covered. And even as I retired from the military, I never had to really worry about it. Now I have studied it and read about it in you know different books, going through my licenses in school, but I just never had to deal with Medicaid because of the nature of my job. I know the terminologies, but I never had to put my hands on it, if you know what I mean. We all can read about buying houses, but until you buy one, that's when you really get the experience. So that's me being 100% honest. But it sounds good, they're like, hey, let's cut the cost of prescription drugs. You know, I never had to pay anything for any drugs I ever had to take or any prescriptions, but because I'm active in the military, that's why I don't have to do that. So right here, they're looking at lowering the healthcare costs. 13 million Americans will continue to save an average of $800 per year on healthcare insurance premiums. 3 million more Americans will have healthcare, uh, healthcare insurance than without the law. The uninsured rate is at an all-time low of 8%. So they're talking about the Affordable Cares Act that President Obama was pushing the big champion of, right? They're looking to defeat special interest groups. $184 million, the amount the pharmaceutical industry has spent on lobbying in 2022. Business and politics are like brothers and sisters. They go hand in hand. The politicians need to, they need money to raise for their campaigns or for their own interests. And here comes the businesses putting away their profits to put you in their back pocket. Business and politics always go hand in hand. If I decided to run for mayor or governor or whatever, I have to go and talk to and speak to people who got money. And usually who are the people that have the most money? Business owners. And if I take money from them, they might want a little something back. They're not going to do it to me, give me money, give me things because I look cool or whatever, even though I do look cool, but they don't care about that. So right here, 1,600 number of lobbyists in the pharmaceutical companies had in 2021, three times the number of members of Congress. So they're looking at the pharmaceutical industry is growing and growing their special interests. 33 years, the amount of con congressional Democrats have been trying to lower prescription drug costs by allowing Medicaid to negotiate drug prices.
19 number of years Medicaid has been blocked from negotiating prescription drug costs. So, uh, you know, they're trying to lower drug costs, but guess what? Business and profits. Sometimes the capitalism has side effects. Ladies and gentlemen, I always tell people that capitalism has side effects. We love capitalism. We love to go get that bachelor's degree and go work for a private company like Microsoft so we can make six figures, $200,000, $200, a year and have a nice house, live a nice life. But on the same side, we forget that Microsoft came from an entrepreneur that benefited from capitalism. So we all don't want to work for the government. We know that the private sector pays more than the government sector. But then again, that's going to come with a cost. We all want to go get that job at Tesla and Microsoft and Amazon and Facebook and Uber and get paid a big, nice, fat salary, barely doing anything. But that comes at a cost, y'all. All right. So next thing, clean energy. Clean energy. This is the next thing they're looking to tackle. I'm going to get into the side effects of this. That I kind of think about this. I know a little bit more about clean energy. Um, here's clean energy. Lauren, Lauren energy costs. Families that take advantage of clean energy, electronic vehicle tax credits, will save more than $1,000 per year. $14,000 in direct consumer rebates for families to buy heat pumps or other energy-effective home appliances, saving families at least $350 per year. 7.5 million more families will be able to install solar on their roofs with a 30% tax credit, saving the families $9,000 over the life of the system or at least $300 per year. Up to $7,500 in tax credits for new electronic vehicles and $4,000 for the use of electronic vehicles, helping families save $950 per year. Um, putting America on track to meet the president's climate goal, which is to save $500 per year in energy costs. So right here, what they're looking to do is to give you tax credits. You know, uh, if you own your home, if you own your home, I'm pretty sure a solar panel company has called you and said, hey, let's put solar panels on your house. You're going to get a tax credit for doing this with the tax credits and rebates is going to reduce the cost to insinuate putting solar panels on your homes. So. Uh, entrepreneurs are going out and they're saying, hey, let us put those solar panels on your home. You're going to be able to save money. So to insinuate people to do this, the government is going to be giving out tax credit for people who drive electronic vehicles, for people who get appliances, for people who get, uh, you know, the heat pumps, things like that. So they're looking to give out tax credits, you know, in the energy sector pretty much, right? The next thing they're looking to do, Building clean energy economy. They want to power homes, businesses, and the community with much more clean energy. 950 million solar panels, right? Um, they want to put 950 million solar panels, 120 wind turbulence, 2300 grid scale battery plants, um, advanced cost saving energy projects in rural uh, electronic, not electronic, electric. Corporatives serving 42 million people, strengthen the climate resilience, and protect nearly 2 million acres of national forests, creating millions of goods paid, uh, making energy clean in America. So essentially, looking to make an investment. They want to get more solar panels, more wind, uh, wind turbulence, more uh, power grids, battery plant power grids. And that could be an investment that people are looking forward to. But I've done some research and say that where we... What are we going to do when these wind turbulence get old, when these batteries get old, things like that? Um, what is what is that going to cost? It's going to create a whole new economy. 
but this defers away from oil as you can see all of this is to get away from oil solar panels uses less less oil wind turbulence less oil battery powered grids plants less oil right electric vehicles they use a little bit of gas but not that much right so you don't have to worry about anything that's what people are trying to look at and tell you to get rid of certain things right so um they are trying to reduce the demand for oil when we have the same supply and the demand goes down usually will drive the price of oil down but i'm a pretty nice side investor into oil because i believe as we try to move away into the green energy space that it's not going to happen overnight by the time we build all the solar panels wind turbulence i think that's more of a long term before we can see return on investment versus short term which is going to pretty much up the demand for oil because this is not going to happen we're not going to snap our fingers and have wind turbulence solar panels battery plants and we're all just uh fat dumb and happy with clean energy i think it's going to take time so oil will still be relevant in this time in the short run and in the long run i think i can see his demand probably slowly increase decreasing right so here's another one. They want to reduce harmful pollution. They want to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by one gigaton in 2023, or a billion dollar, uh, or a billion metric tons, ten times more than climate impact than in a single piece of legislation ever intacted. They want to deploy energy and reduce um, particle pollution from fuel from fossil fuel to avoid up to 3,900 premature deaths and 100,000 asthma attacks right that sounds good reducing pollution they're talking but they don't think about it. they didn't say how they was going to do it they're going to write a check and it's probably just going to go nowhere that's how it usually happens in the government they say hey we're going to put this money to the side for small businesses and it ends up getting lost somewhere in taxes or something so that's what they want to do now how are we going to pay for all this how does the government make money ladies and gentlemen and if you tune into this investor show you already know you're smart you already knew it they pay for this by taxes so that's a, that's the government's revenue base. I have people paying taxes, right? So all these things sound good. We want to reduce pollution. We want to create green energy. We want to lower the cost of healthcare. Who doesn't want to do these things, right? So let's look at the tax implementation they're looking at doing. They want to make the tax code fairer. They're saying zero dollars, how much some of the largest profitable corporations paid in federal income tax. 55 is the number of America's largest wealthiest corporations that got away without paying a cent in federal income taxes in 2020. 160 billion, how much the top 1% of earners is estimated to evade each year's taxes. 15%, the minimum tax on corporate profits the Inflation Reduction Act imposes on large, most profitable companies. 124 billion saving over 100 uh, 124 billion saving over 10 years the inflation reduction act would generate from collecting taxes owed by wealthy people and large corporations according to the congress budget organization and no family making over 400,000 will ever see their taxes go up you know making less than 400,000 so they're saying if you're making less than $400,000 you're in the safety zone but those rich people wealthy people and those wealthy corporations oh yeah we coming we want a 15% tax we're going to generate 124 billion dollars by doing this and then we can pay for everything that we want to do right 
So they want to reduce the deficit. The inflation, the inflation act will achieve a hundred, um, hundreds of billions in ah, deficient reduction. I don't know why I'm having that stuttering today. So essentially right here, 126 leading economists, including $7, whatever the case may be, said the deficit will help fight inflation. They want to reduce the deficit. Pretty much this whole thing is saying we can make $124 billion by coming after wealthy people and wealthy companies by imposing a 15% tax, um, by going after the wealthy people, corporations, we can raise $124 billion. This is where we would get the money to pay for um, harm for pollution, all these other things that we just spoke about earlier. What is my take on this? Um, I look at corporations, but people say, hey, they evaded taxes, whatever. But you look at these large corporations. When a company is so large, look at Jeff Bezos. Let's take the story of Jeff Bezos, who started Amazon. He starts Amazon. Amazon becomes wildly successful. Guess what? He ends up creating jobs. He has so much money that he started investing in buying up other companies, right? So when he starts to, the money is going to spill back into the system, right? That's the economical lesson that I know. So even the federal government, people say, hey, you didn't pay taxes. I get it. The government wants his taxes. But guess what? You got to close those tax loopholes and it's going to be another loophole that people are going to figure out. But I'm in the middle. I'm not all the way on the right-hand side saying no taxes for higher wealthy people. But usually, wealthy people are usually the ones that create the jobs, right? Usually, you know, I start a company. My company becomes wildly successful. I need to hire an assistant. I need to hire a CFO. I need to hire a marketing person. I need to hire this. I need to hire that. So if I become successful, I'm going to be creating jobs. Because, yes, I think that's not fair that regular people are paying taxes and corporations are not paying anything. But on the same thing, I want to retire from the military and take my master's degree and go to a private company and make a nice paycheck too. In order for me to do that, I need wealthy companies to be able to make a lot of money to be able to pay large paychecks. Because guess what? I want a large paycheck while I sit back and go on vacation, have a nice life and be able to relax. That's what we all want to do. We all don't want to work for the government. And anybody know anything about pay, the government usually pays the worst. You work for the government versus being a contractor, working for a private sector, you're going to make more money than working with the government. Do we all just want to have governmental jobs? Because guess what? If these companies have to pay all these taxes and reduction and all this stuff like that, what do you think they're going to do to employment? You think they're going to raise it or lower it? They're probably going to lower it. And then, you know, now they're going to sit down, they're going to find ways to um, be able to pay the taxes and to be able to keep the same profit margin. And they usually become expensive. They may reduce some salaries. They may not hire as many people. They may not expand as much. Me, I want Tesla to get as big as possible. I want Amazon to be huge. Microsoft to be huge. Because me as an entrepreneur, small company right now, but as I grow and I become huge, I don't want somebody to say, hey, you know, to hinder my steps in my way. Because guess what? I can't become huge without creating jobs, without creating more taxpayers. All right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's my that's going to be today's show. Those are my thoughts on the Inflation Reduction Act by the numbers, according to the WhiteHouse.gov, and looking at it saying, hey, um, the only thing I don't like saying, hey, going out here, taking the money from the corporations, um, because 
That's where my 401k money is. That's where I invest at in a lot of big companies. I want to see them grow and expand. I don't want to see them um, reduce and strengthen, you know, lose their strength or whatever. I want them to grow and expand to be able to have a global dominance. Even I want you to be like Tesla, go out in space and take over Mars. Yeah, cool. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be my time for today. Y'all already know my name is Prince Dykes. I'm the Prince of Investment. If you haven't done so already, check in the description box. Check out and donate. Make a contribution to the Wesley Learns Book Club. That's right. It's a children's book series that's going to teach kids about, that does teach kids about investing, credit, and insurance. And whatever you contribute is being matched by the Contributor app. So go ahead in, and we're going to take those contributions and give kids children's books about investing, credit, and insurance, and flood the entire world of the Wesley Learns book series. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, until the next video, podcast, cartoon, or whatever else crazy you see me doing around the globe, peace, be safe, I'm out, thank you. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.